I'm going to begin this morning in the Gospel of John, chapter 7. <clears throat> Gospel of John, chapter 7. Beginning verse 37, John seven thirty-seven. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. <clears throat> this is a, a passage we often read, and for a very good reason, because this is one of those passages where it, it, Jesus brings forth an invitation to come to Him. And if we listen to what it's saying here, He says, let Him come to me and drink. And certainly it's not talking about physically drinking something. But he is talking about drink in a different sense, in a spiritual sense. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. I think... One of the reasons why this is so important is because we can easily be fooled into thinking that this is something that you do only when you're saved. You come to Jesus when you're saved, and you receive the Holy Spirit, and then <clears throat> and you got everything that there is to get. And yet, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 says, uh, do not be under the influence or filled with wine, but be filled or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that's directed towards us. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, We have been made to drink of one Spirit. We have been baptized by one Spirit into one body and been made to drink into one Spirit. And once again, he uses the word drink as Jesus did, talking about a spiritually, drinking in a spiritual sense. When you're drinking, you're taking something in. Jesus talked about these rivers of living water, this flowing rivers of living water that would come forth from us if we would come to Him. What this begins to speak of is this coming to Him, this personal relationship with Him. This being renewed in the Holy Spirit. The word renew means to make new again. And when we talk about struggling in our Christian experience, we use the words wilderness, desert, 
dry. Starving. Far from God. That's why Jesus says, come to Him. We come to Him continually. That's part of our relationship with Him. Is to come to Him and to be renewed in Him. To be energized in Him. To be filled in Him. <clears throat> Jesus, in the Gospel of John chapter 4, when He is talking to the Samaritan women, in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, Jesus had asked the Samaritan woman to give him a drink, in verse 7. In verse 10, he says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get? that living water. And so, again, Jesus is talking about living water. He's not talking about physical water. He's talking about something spiritual. This is a spirit... This What he's talking about has is something spiritual. And he talked about... He would give, he would give this woman living water. And so, <clears throat> verse 13, Jesus answered and says to him, her... Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. <clears throat> whoever drinks, and he uses the word drink again, Third time we see in the New Testament, referring to Jesus giving the Holy Spirit to us, renewing us in the Holy Spirit. He talks about drink here also. He says, whoever drinks of this water that I give him will never thirst. Now, obviously he's not talking about physical thirst. He's not talking about physical water and physical thirst. He's not talking about natural things. He's talking about something supernatural here. And unless we look at it that way, we'll never understand it. We'll never understand the point that Jesus is trying to make of coming to Him and being empowered and being strengthened and being filled spiritually. And <clears throat> again, He says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. He referred to it as a river of living water, and here he refers to it as a fountain. Jesus is speaking of one and the same thing in these passages, as well as the apostles. <clears throat> and later on in this passage, he says, The hour is coming now is, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father 
in spirit and in truth. A spirit of worship and truth. In the Gospel of Luke in chapter 11, when Jesus is asked by his disciples, teach us to pray, he teaches them the Our Father, he gives them a parable about boldness in prayer. He says, to seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be opened to you. And then he says something else, he says, how much more will the fathers in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? How much more, uses the word more, quantity, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Again, why do we feel far from God sometimes? Why do we feel like we're in a spiritual desert? We have to draw close to Him, and He will fill us. We must, and it, it's a it's a parable Jesus gives about boldness to ask. You fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? To be anointed, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Five have their lamps full, five are empty. They were not prepared. And this is a call to preparation in our walk with God. It's one of the things that's easily hidden from our eyes. Is that we often try to live the Christian life and all the things that were commanded in the New Testament in our own strength and it seems like this unclimbable hill, or just dismissed because it seems too impossible. But when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Some versions say of self control. Why is it then? That we walk in fear. Why is it then that we're anxious and troubled about many things like Martha? Why is it then that we feel no power in our life? Now I don't mean by power, I'm not talking about Pentecostal type stuff. I'm talking about power in our life. Power to be a witness. Power to control ourselves. Power to love people who don't deserve it. Power to forgive. That's all within the realm of the influence of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of being in the influence of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of walking in the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's gentleness. It's kindness. It's faith, it's self-control. Might have missed a few in there, but you get the idea. Patience, I think, is in there, a few others. Why is it then we're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit the way we should be? Now, we might be 
satisfied with that. Satisfied with this kind of dragging through. But we can only say that that's not God's intention for us. That's not where the Holy Spirit is leading us. The Holy Spirit is leading us to drink. He's leading us to drink of the Spirit. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And we feel this hunger and thirst inside of us. And instead of coming to Him, we come to things of the flesh, things of the world. The other voices. And that's where the problem comes in. That's why we don't experience some of the things we should be experiencing in our life. We've got to come to Jesus and drink of the living water that He promised. And He says, if we, have, if we drink of this living water, we'll be complete. So we'll never be thirsty again. That's complete. That's full. That's satisfied. That's content. It's not a spirit of discontentment. It's a spirit of contentment. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what state I am in. It's a secret because it's not understood by the natural mind. It's understood by the things of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding of these things. If we're in turmoil in the spirit of discontentment, that's why. Because we have not learned that spirit of contentment, of being full in the Spirit and being content in the Spirit, no matter what's going on. When I was a younger Christian, I used to think, well, if all this happened, then everything would be okay, and I can settle back and be at peace in a little How foolish I found that out to be. And you know what? Those circumstances didn't change. I had to change. And I didn't change. God changed me. God changes us if we come to Him and drink. A lot of people in, Christ, in Christendom and in the world think that following Christ is this, this heavy burden of do's and don'ts. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, it's not right. I got to do. And it's misguided. That comes from the idea that we, we have to change. No, we don't have to change. We need to come to Him, and He will change us. And He will give us a spirit of love and power, self-control. Power to live the way Jesus showed us, the way He did. And the desire, the inward desire to please Him. In Ephesians chapter 4 it talks or 5, it talks about finding out what pleases the Lord. And, and a natural mind will look at it and say, Oh, i got all those things to make God happy. But the spiritual mind understands God loves me and I, I have this desire that He's put in our in my heart to make to make him happy. 
when you love somebody, you want to make them happy. You know, when a, when a man and woman fall in love, they just do just about anything for each other, you know? Why? Because they have to? Because they're, they're burdened to do that? Or because they love that person? And so it is. Which comes first? We have to change. Which is the one that really needs to happen? We have to change. We have to come to Christ. And God will change us. As we come to Him. As He empowers us. As He changes our, our whole outlook and our, spirit, our look at life from carnal and natural to spiritual. At the very beginning of the church, in Acts chapter 1, and beginning in verse 4, right before Jesus' ascension, Acts 1.4, And then being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but for wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my, be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judah, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when the church began, that's what you saw. People empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they became the witness to the world around them. The Great Commission hasn't changed about preaching Christ, making disciples, teaching them to observe all things that Jesus taught and commanded. That hasn't changed. And neither is the other part of it changed either. The command from Jesus to wait on God to drink, come to Jesus. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And we will be empowered to be his witnesses. We will have power to live the Christian life. We have authority over our bodies, over our minds, over our emotions. And it says we'll have a sound mind. You know, many of us have gone through a lot of traumatic things in our life. Some of us before we were Christian, some of us even afterwards, that have affected us and to this day affect us. And there's no doubt about that. And can create troubles and confusion in our mind. It can cause trouble, emotional troubles. It can cause all kinds of mental issues, 
But in the spirit, it says we can have the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. In Christ, we can have a sound mind. As we draw close to him, and as we come to him and drink, there's healing for the mind, for the, for the, for the spirit, for the body, for the soul, for our emotions, the whole thing. And that's something that we learn and grow in. We don't even realize some of the things that we're troubled by. The deep-seated fears from traumas that go back to our childhood even. The survival instincts that divert us and drive us. The soundness of mind in Christ. The mind, another place in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ as we come to Him and drink. We experience that. We experience all that flow of the Spirit, the healing, the supernatural self-control and guidance. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. He'd be our guide. He'd be our helper. He'd be our comforter. Never be alone. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Put my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from him. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and in me you shall find rest for your soul. The invitation is still the same. We talk about it often. Why? Because... One of the things the enemy wants to do is to get our eyes off of this truth. Of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And our relationship with Jesus Christ isn't just chatter and talk with Him. Not just praying for our needs. And saying, help! You know, it's not just that, you know. It's much more. This relationship with Him is a spiritual relationship. When we come to Him... And we seek His help, we seek His power, we seek to be energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We seek that flow of living water. We seek that satisfaction in our soul that seems to elude us, that contentment, that fullness in the inner man. Are we hungry and thirsty on the inside? Maybe we don't recognize we're not in touch with it. But there are certainly symptoms of that inner hunger and thirst if we don't even recognize it. And they manifest themselves in different ways. 
and driving to be satisfied in other things, in other ways. We have to examine ourselves, Paul said, to see where we're at when we talk about this. The inner examination. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the, in the faith. So we come to Christ, we believe the gospel, and we come to Him, and we have this new life. But this new life needs water to grow. Just like a plant when it germinates. The seed germinates. It needs water and nutrients to grow. Where do we get it? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, he says, and out of your innermost being. Come to me and drink. And so, <clears throat> we have busy lives, and we can sit here and each of us have our list of all our busyness. But, one of the ways that God shows us that he wants to change us is that our life would become his life. That Christ would be our life instead of part of our life. And that our motivations and our drives and everything else in us would be motivated by him. Come to me, Jesus said. Bring my, your life to me, he says. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways and He will direct your path. We're no longer directing our path. We're no longer figuring out our own way. But we are finding out what the will of the Lord is, like it says in Romans 12. The Bible tells us to offer up our bodies a living sacrifice. You say, well, how do we do that? Spirit of power. power of the Holy Spirit. Not our own strength. Not us trying to be holy, trying to be good, but coming to Him and Him making us what He wants us to be. A lot of times we have the cart in front of the horse and we can't understand where we're, understand we're not going hardly anywhere. There is a need for revival. And this is where revival starts. Revival starts in the heart. Our Bible starts in the inner man by coming to Jesus and drinking. <clears throat> and finally, in Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in verse 17, <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, 
being past feeling, giving themselves over the lewdness, to work on cleanness and greediness. But you have not learned Christ this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the, your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God, in righteousness and true holiness. And he continues on talking about Christian living as opposed to the way we lived before. Now you would say, well, why does he tell this to Christians? I guess we should all presume that, that we should just all just do what's right and always do the Christian thing and always live like a Christian. We're a Christian, but that's not the reality. This is not the walk the way the rest of the world walks. Because we can. We can be just as impatient and angry and hot-headed and stubborn and immoral as the people of the world. We allow ourselves to. We can walk in the vanity of our mind for the praise of men. For the pride of this life. For the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And everything that encounters in all that is in the world. So we can still walk that way. Which is not to walk away, but put on the new man. Which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. This is a decision we make, and it's a direction that we walk. But we don't do that unless we come to Him, unless we're empowered by Him, unless we're guided and taught by Him. You can listen to every preacher in the book, but unless we listen to Him, it won't do any good. And we hear His Word. As we, as we listen to it, this is not Ron's word, this is not anybody else's word, this is God's word. And God is saying something to us. Put off the old way of life and put on the new. That's created after God. It is the divine nature that Peter talks about. That we have become partakers of the divine nature, God's nature. If we don't see it in our life, then we recognize a problem. And we have to be honest in order to, to be able to see that. I don't see that in my life. Then there's a problem. What do I do about it? Jesus already said it. We read it how many times today. Come to me, Jesus said. All your burden heavily laden. With sin, yes. With failure to, to live up to the Christian life, yes. Falling short of the... Of the of of the will of God, yes. Come to me, he says. And be energized, empowered, and revitalized that you have a, we have a revival in our lives. Come to me and drink. It's not a one-time deal. It's something 
He calls us to continually. That's why he says to these people already Christians, he's writing this to the church at Ephesus who is sealed with the Holy Spirit in chapter 1. And yet he says to him in chapter 4, put on the new man. Stop walking in the old man. Don't walk in the old way of life. Walk in the new man. That, that, that empowerment, that new nature that he gives us when we're born of the Spirit. If our, our walk doesn't look right, there's a reason why. We're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit in some areas of our life. And you might be okay with that, but God is not. That's why he says, put on the new man. Yes, he'll forgive us if we're not doing that. And he's very gracious and merciful and loving, but he, he you understand he wants us to come to him that we will submit to his spirit and the changes he wants to make in our life. He wants us to love like Jesus. And yes, that even means those certain people that annoy us. That we might think, or maybe a little bit of this or that. They might have a lot of uh, issues. God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. To give our lives for one another. To lay down our lives. It's, it's something that's supposed to be in the church. In the home. The families. And how we live towards those in the world. We are the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world... Our lights aren't shining. Let your light so shine before men. There's the word let. That means it's something we have to allow to happen. Come to me, Jesus said. And I will make you a fishers of men. Told that to his disciples. Come to me. I'll make you what I want you to be. Don't make yourself what I want you to be. Come to me and I will make you. Some don't believe. It's a matter of maybe it's a little a little scary. Maybe it doesn't jive with our common sense, our natural thinking our own thinking. <clears throat> I will give you rest. The kingdom of God is not in food and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Likewise, Paul writes, that the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Peter says our fellowship is in the Holy Spirit. Fellowship is not a matter of socialism. It's a connection. It is a connection between our vertical relationship and our horizontal relationship. Our relationship with God. Our life in the Spirit. 
and our relationship with one another. Our fellowship is in the Holy Spirit. The love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. <clears throat> fellowship with God, fellowship with one another in the Holy Spirit. That isn't something that we can understand naturally in our natural mind. It's something we understand as a, through the, the connection that we have with the Holy Spirit. Let us come to Him and drink. That is the name of this message for today. Let us come to Him and drink. Dave, Ben, brothers, want to comment on this or anything else you want to share? Please do.